and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the 1948 Fort Knox UFO encounter. That's correct, the 1948 Fort Knox UFO encounter. Now, this first article comes to us from Army.mil, and this is a regular military website, but it's a really well-written article by Eric Pilgrim, dated January 6, 2023. Title says, Questions Remain 75 Years After Mysterious Fort Knox UFO Incident Down Pilot. Begins by saying, Has 2,867 flight hours, much of it in combat, and distinguished flying cross, and four air medals weren't enough to avoid a fatal crash near Franklin, Kentucky farm. Now think about that. Almost 3,000 uh, hours in the air, mostly in combat in World War II, flying, a distinguished flying cross, and four air medals. And we're talking about the original Top Gun here. Exactly 75 years later, Captain Thomas Mantell's flight that afternoon still remains shrouded in mystery. He died while pursuing a UFO that was seen in the skies over Goblin Airfield, over Goblin Army Airfield, by countless people throughout the region surrounding Fort Knox. On January 7, 1948, Mantell sat in the cockpit of his F-51D Mustang as flight leader, headed north from Marietta Air Force Base in Georgia, back to Louisville Standard Stanford Field. He and three other pilots from the Kentucky Air National Guard's Flight C, 165th Fighter Squadron, had been participating in a low-altitude navigational training exercise when the request came from Commander Colonel Guy Hicks to investigate the sightings. The 25-year-old World War II hero acknowledged the request, and he and two other pilots climbed to 15,000 feet to intercept it. The fourth, Lieutenant Hendricks, continued on to Standardford Field. According to a January 6, 2005 article by turret editor Larry Barnes, several hundred people in central Kentucky had already witnessed the UFO by 1.15 p.m. that Wednesday, a day described by some observers as partly cloudy with high-altitude feathery cirrus clouds. That day is recorded by Wonderground as also having relatively calm winds, mild temperatures, a high of 49 degrees, zero precipitation, and visibility for at least 10 miles. I like the fact that this author, this article, has gone, taken the time to go back and check out what the weather was like on that day. Shows that eye for detail. It would have been probably a typical winter day if they had serious clouds in the sky. The visibility would have been great, said an area weather forecaster. There was just nothing else going on weather-wise, so it probably made for a pretty good day. News agencies wasted no time turning the crash into front-page news. The big question on everyone's mind, what did Mantell encounter... And why did he crash? The debriefing, the debrief.org website reveals the mad scramble for answers in its February 15, 2022 story by Jazz Saul titled, What Was Pilot Thomas Mantell Chasing When His Plane Crashed in 1948? Reporting on source materials from Project Blue Book, Shaw notes that Air Material Command at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio requested meteorological records shortly after afterward of the region from that particular day. They also asked astronomers to identify the position of both Venus and Jupiter in the sky on an hourly basis, Reichshaw. They definitely seemed to be looking for any mundane explanation, but even their own investigation found that those planets would not be visible during daylight hours, and the weather was good for visibility. Later theories that Mantell had merely seen Venus in the sky when he described what he witnessed were debunked as a result. 
but he wasn't the only one to see the phenomena. Calls came into Kentucky State Police offices from concerned Kentuckians at several different locations throughout the morning and early afternoon. So many, in fact, that officers decided to alert the Fox County, the, the Fort Knox Military Police, who in turn notified personnel at Godman as the object slowly traveled south from Irvington to Owensburger, Owensboro before reaching Godman. Remember, this is 1948. Not everybody had a phone, and long-distance phone call fees were exorbitant. So the idea that you had dozens of people reporting this UFO to police, that to me is kind of a big deal. Some of Godman had already observed the object by 1.45 p.m. as it traveled over Fort Knox. Now think about this. This is in the afternoon when this all happens. It's a clear day. So they're not seeing uh, stars. They're not seeing uh, some kind of refraction of the moon. They're certainly not seeing drones. It says two tower personnel, Tech Sergeant Quentin Blackwell and PFC Stanley Oliver, later described the mysterious object as something resembling an ice cream filled cone or parachute white and round on top with a conical shape underneath. Operations officer Captain Carter said the round white object was plainly visible in the afternoon sky. At 2.45 p.m., Mantell radioed the tower that he had spotted the object at 14,000 feet. At 15,000 feet, he provided an update. The object is directly ahead of me and above me now, moving at about half my speed. 30 minutes later, Mantell offered an update. It appears to be a metallic object or possibly, or possible reflections of sun from a metallic object, and it is of a tremendous size. I'm still climbing. The object is above and ahead of me, moving at my speed or faster. I'm trying to close in for a better look. Now, remember, we said this guy had almost 3,000 hours of flight time, most of that in combat time. World War II vet. Multiple medals. Give me a shirt, he shot down plenty of enemy. He knows how to recognize things in the sky. That's what he's been trained to do. He knows this is not another airplane. It's not a weather balloon. He's telling you, it looks like it's made out of metal. There's a lot of reflection coming off of it. In Barnes' story, the other two pilots, Clements and Hammond, turned back at 22,000 feet due to a lack of oxygen because their airplanes weren't equipped with it likely because of the type of training mission they had been performing. They returned to Stanford Airfield to refuel and get oxygen masks. Meanwhile, Mantell continued the pursuit, radioing at 3.30 p.m. that he would fly about 10 more minutes to around 25,000 feet. As they arrived at Stanford, the tower recorded Clements saying that the object appears like the reflection of sunlight on an airplane canopy. By about 3.50 p.m., Gabantari reported that they had lost sight of the object. Ten minutes later, Sightings began to come in from neighboring communities to the south of Fort Knox. After a few more garbled transmissions, communications with Mantell ceased by 5 p.m. Debris from his airplane was discovered in Shelby County, southeast of Louisville. Investigators noted that his seatbelt had been shredded. Wow, isn't that strange? His watch had stopped at 3.18 p.m. So his watch stopped at 3.18 you have to wonder when this crash happened. And according to Chapter 3 of the National Investigations Committee and Aerial Phenomenal Report, the Air Force's initial assessment was that Mantell had been pursuing Venus since another incident eerily similar had occurred a few months before in which the pilot thought Venus was a UFO. However, the meteorological records didn't support that assessment. Well, of course he wasn't 
chasing Venus because you couldn't even see Venus. We've already, they went back and checked and said, no, the planet wasn't up that high enough. You couldn't see it. Listen, this guy's a combat veteran. He knows the difference between Venus and a mechanical entity. Reporters around the world fanned the flames of the UFO theory, concluding that Mantell had been shot down by aliens who felt threatened. The crash happened six months after the famous UFO crash at Roswell, New Mexico, which led many to again believe in the existence of aliens. Air Force investigators eventually concluded, based on the position of throttle and the crash debris, that Mantell had likely suffered from oxygen deprivation and passed out at around 25,000 feet. The aircraft continued to climb to 30,000 feet before leveling off and eventually taking a high-speed nosedive to the Earth. Many suspect that what Mantell pursued in 1948 was a Navy skyhook balloon released from Clinton Air Force Base in Ohio, part of a highly classified program known as Project Skyhook that operated during the same time frame as the Roswell and Fort Knox incidents. The balloons were huge, high-altitude devices used to gather intelligence and information. According to the David Darling website, the Navy would launch the balloons partially inflated, which would cause them to slowly inflate the higher they rose. At maximum size, they would swell to 600 feet high and around 100 feet in diameter, climbing to an altitude of 60,000 feet. The site claims that the balloons were likely were the likely culprit of Mantell's demise. However, there still exists no documentation to prove, to prove or disprove this theory. And other accounts suggest that one of Mantell's garbled last transmissions claims he saw people sitting inside the flying object and that his airplane burst into flames before striking the ground. I, I could believe that because they say, well, these last transmissions were garbled. Maybe, maybe that was an easy way for the people that heard those transmissions or the government that reported those transmissions to not have to say what was said. Kind of an effective way of blacking out the content. And secondly, they said they lost contact with him. How long did they lose contact? I mean, how long was he up in the air without them having any kind of contact back and forth before the plane crashed? And then it has a picture of a pretty detailed uh, monument here to Captain Thomas F. Mantle, Jr., it says, placed at the site of Mantle's crash in 2001, a historical plaque remains in Franklin off of I-65, the same town of his birth, along with unanswered questions. Wow. Pretty well-written article, I think. Now, there's another article here from uh, 13 News. It's, you can find this at wowktv.com. And this looks like it came out uh, January 7th, 2023. Kentucky UFO Mystery, the 75th anniversary of Thomas Mantell's death. Then it says, Saturday marks the 75th anniversary of the death of Thomas Mantell in what is known as the Mantell UFO Incident. Mantell, born on June 30, 1922 in Franklin, was a U.S. Air Force officer and World War II veteran who airdropped the 101st Airborne Division into Normandy on D-Day. Wow. Kind of a kind of a big di- kind of a big deal. I mean, what a guy! How, how do you have uh, more impressive credentials than this? This World War II combat veteran uh, air pilot. How, I mean, how can you doubt this guy? He also won a distinguished flying cross for his actions during Operation Market Garden, which was a military operation executed over the Netherlands in September 1944 with the goal of creating an invasion route for Allied forces into northern Germany. 
Flash forward to 1948, Mattel was arriving in the Kentucky National Guard as a fighter pilot when he was called to investigate strange claims of unidentified flying of an unidentified flying object. So this UFO is flying around, and people in the area are seeing it and they're reporting it, and that's why they're asking him to investigate it. It says Kentucky State Police Highway Patrol said at 1:20 p.m. on January 7th, troopers were taking a number of calls about a flying object over Maysville. Additional reports came in from Madisonville, Owensburg, and Irvington. Mantell was asked to investigate at 2.45 p.m. as the object was reportedly hovering for a while before resuming what witnesses described as a very slow-moving flight. Reports indicated the object was circular and about 250 to 300 feet in diameter. Now, you know, talking about this thing being a weather balloon, but would it have just been suspended there, you know, for an indefinite amount of time before it took off again? Seems pretty strange. According to the NICAP... Mantell radioed Goodman Tower, Goodman Tower at Fort Knox and said, I see something above and ahead of me, and I'm still climbing. He was credited with, describe, with describing the object as metallic and tremendous in size. Mantell continued climbing with the object in his P-51 plane up to 20,000 feet. Mantell's grandson, Terry Mantell, spoke with Fox 56 and confirmed Mantell told his men to go back to base and arm the plane with hot guns. A military term which means prepare to fire. Doesn't sound like this guy saw a balloon to me at all. Randall, Randall reported that at 3.10 p.m., Mantell was the only pilot left and had climbed to around 23,000 feet in the air. The NICAP report Godman Tower lost sight of the object by 3.50 p.m. and received word Mantell had crashed and died a few minutes later, Randell's report indicated Mantell was believed to have lost consciousness due to the lack of oxygen at around 25,000 feet and began a spiraling dive to the surface shortly after. He crashed to the ground shortly. He, he crashed to he crashed to the ground just south of Franklin, near the Kentucky-Tennessee border, and died. Mantell was wearing a watch during his pursuit of the object, and a watch was found on his body at the crash scene. It was said to have stopped at 3.18 p.m., which is believed to be the time his plane crashed. As to what Mantell was pursuing, the Air Force released an official report connecting the object identified as a weather balloon affiliated with the Navy's research into atmospheric radiation under Project Skyhook. Another Air Force report speculated Mantell might have been chasing the planet Venus. Of course, we know this wasn't true because... Venus wasn't even wasn't even viewable at this time. This was largely debunked by by 1952 after J. Allen Hynek, an astronomer at Ohio State University, affirmed that Venus wasn't bright enough to be seen. Terry has qualms with how his grandfather's legacy has been handled. For him to come back home from World War II and die the way he did was very painful, and the government has not done Thomas justice. Terry told Fox 56. He wasn't some crop duster joyriding who saw a UFO. He was instructed by Fort Knox to chase this thing and check it out. Mantell was survived by his wife Peggy and their two sons, Thomas and Terry Mantell. An historical marker was erected to honor Mantell and Franklin off of I-65. And it has a picture of it here again. Wow. I think this is just a fascinating article. The, the, the question I have is how did the seatbelts end up shredded? And like I said, how long was he in pursuit of this thing uh, while being uh, out of communication uh, 
with the tower. And and like the and like the grandson said, you know, he was sent to he was sent up on this mission to track and confront this UFO, which he did. And then it turns out he ends up losing his life in this crash. And the response of the government government was, well, 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 it was a weather balloon. Well, if it was a weather balloon, why didn't the government uh, think about that before they sent this guy up to shoot it down? You know that that tells me that it, it just smells of a cover up. But once again, this is the this is the famous UFO encounter and crash that happened back in January seventh, uh, nineteen forty eight, down near Fort Knox in Kentucky. Until next time, this is UFO warning over and out.